1130. How are you guys doing today? Welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. My name is Josh, one of the pastors here. Hey, can we give it up for all of our family that's watching online? Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Man, it's a good day in church. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was just thinking about that, that last song that we sang and, and maybe, maybe today you feel like you're, you're walking through a valley. You know, it says, as I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. And I want somebody, I don't, I don't know who this is for, but man, if you walked in here feeling like you're, you're going through a valley, I want you to know that not for a minute were you forsaken because we invited the Lord and his presence in here today. So I want to encourage somebody today that you're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. I think God is going to deposit something in you today that's going to help you move forward in victory today. Can I get an amen, church? So I want to first honor my pastors, TJ and Shayla. I love them so much. Uh, you know, it was about, I think it was last week, we've been here eight years. Um, and what God has done in that eight years has been incredible. And, and just serving under the leadership of Pastor TJ and Shayla, like we only knew them when we moved here. We didn't know anybody else. And, and just to have the, the, the vision that TJ has and to have the confidence and the faith that that man has, has just been inspiring for me. It's been inspiring for my family. It's, it's made us step out in ways that we never thought we'd step out. Um, and so TJ, Shayla, if you guys are watching, I don't know if you are, but I love you so much. Thank you for the investment that you've made in me and in our church. Can we give it up one more time for our pastors? Also, I want to celebrate the fact that last weekend we had 23 people get baptized. Like 23 people decided, you know what? God has done something in me. And so I'm going to make an outward declaration based on an inward decision that I'm going to commit my life to following Jesus for the rest of my life. And I, and I love seeing families and kids and people that have addiction backgrounds just go, no, something today is going to be different. And I, and I pray that that experience marks you for life. I pray that you're able to look back on that experience and go, man, not for a minute was I forsaken because the Lord was in that. He was working through that. And that was a defining moment in my life. So I loved seeing all that last week. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of your story and trusting us as a church to be a huge part of what God is doing in and through you. I want to show you a picture of my family. If you don't know who we are, this is my wife, Andrea. She just led you in worship. Y'all like that new song? That new song is fire. That new song, move the move. Like, man, great job, babe. I love you. You're my best friend. Just bragging on you a little bit. And then this is Marshall, James, Ember, and Nevaeh. And we have this funny little thing right now. Um, in this week, there's one week between birthdays that our kids kind of stair-step in age because they're all kind of mixed together. And it goes 10, 9, 8, 7 right now. Tomorrow, it will be 10, 9, 9, 7. Pray for us because it's a little hard to keep track of all of them. And there are four of us and two of, four, four of them and two of us. Like we're outnumbered. Just pray. Just keep us in your prayers. We're, we're doing good. Everything's fine. We're having a good time. But I, I love them so much. Kids, I'm so proud of you. A couple of my daughters are on the front row here and, and I'm so proud of them. Proud of what God is doing in your life. I'm proud that you've been baptized. We've been able to be a part of that. What an incredible thing uh, and an honor and a privilege. So love you. Love my family. Um, hey, today I want to talk about this word character. Everybody say character. Okay, that was about half the room. Let's say character all together. Character. So character is what we're going to be talking about today. And, and I think it's, it's, it's timely and it's important that we talk about character because there are so many things 
trying to grab onto your character, amen? Like there are so many things in life that are trying to grab hold of your character. And I think that if we don't have a clear definition of what that is, not based on what the world says, but what, what God's word says. And so I wanna, I wanna define it like this. This is actually Andy Stanley defines it like this in his book, Louder Than Words. He says, character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. So character is the will to do what is right, like the desire to do what is right, as defined by God, not defined by anything else, but defined by God, regardless of personal cost. And, and I grew up in a house where there was a lot of character development. Do you guys have parents that were like constantly developing your character, okay? So my, my parents have been here for a week, and I was reminded of this story um, that came out of my kind of my middle school years. Middle school was rough, y'all. Like, it just was so rough. Did anybody have a good middle school experience? No? I don't think so. Like, I think we're all kind of in the same boat in that, in that kind of period. And, and so what, what had happened is in middle school, you, you kind of start figuring out who your friends are. And sometimes we don't pick the best friends, right? That's why parents, you're supposed to pick your kids' friends for them. But sometimes we have these little side friendships and we get influenced in ways that, that aren't good for us. And so I remember taking this CD home. How many of you guys were allowed to listen to certain music and not allowed to listen to certain music, right? You weren't allowed to watch like Rugrats or you weren't allowed to watch like certain movies, like, oh, that's rated PG-13, you know, like that was my home. We listened to Way FM exclusively. Like we only listened to Christian music for a very long time in my home and, and, and for this very reason, which I'm about to tell you about. So, so I bring this CD home and it's like this metal band. It's got all this profanity in it. It's got all this propaganda. I mean, it's just horrible music. But I'm thinking like, this is how I get friends. I listen to the same type of music as they do. And so I would, I would like sneak it. I would, I would like listen to it at night on my little Walkman. Did you guys have the Walkman, right? The one that skips anytime you do anything. You take one move the wrong way and it's like, doo -doo. <laughs> and so I'm listening to it at night. I'm sneaking it. You know, I'm having to go find batteries to, you know, like I'm wearing this thing out. And, and my parents, found, they found the CD, y'all. Um, they found it and, and, I, and, and without me knowing, started scheming, how do, we, how do we make this count? Like, how do we make this the most diabolical parenting moment ever? And so... I lived in the basement of our home and there was no door to my, to, to my room. It was just this big open kind of concept floor plan. And, and what my dad did, my mom kind of schemed this whole thing, but my dad executed this whole thing because basically he knew about how tall I was. And so he hung the CD from some fishing line at the top of the stairwell all the way down to where when I walked up the stairs in the morning the next day, I just go, oh my gosh. I'm so dead. It's just spinning. It hit me straight in the face. Like that takes planning. That, that was impactful, literally impacted. And I just remember thinking, I'm so dead. Like I'm, I'm in so much trouble. And my dad was already gone that day. So he's already left for work. We're not having this conversation before I go to school. I'm gonna have to wait the entire day for this man to get home and tell me what's what. And so normally my dad gets home around six o'clock and has this whole routine where he's like, hey, what's up guys, how was your day? And then he kind of goes and unwinds for a little bit, um, changes in, into some different clothes. Like we didn't do any of that. We just skipped straight to, hey, punishment, let's go. And so did you guys ever have that room in your house where you exclusively got in trouble in that room only? 
It was like, this is the room where character development takes place. And so we go in this room and there's these, there's these uh, pieces of paper on the coffee table. And I sit down and my dad just goes, start reading. And I look and he goes out loud. And it was all the lyrics to the CD, every single song, just horrible. Like, and I'm sitting there reading this stuff out loud, realizing how destructive it is. And I just start crying. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And like, they, I think I got grounded for like a month or something. Like, it was, it was, it was awesome. Great. Like, everybody needs to write that down and use it at some, you have my full permission to do that if your kids ever break trust like that. But I realized in that moment, like I've broken trust and this is on me. Like, I need to realize that what they're trying to do is show me, hey, this wasn't good for you. Like, the input that you're experiencing is not good for you. It's not, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And so I realized in this moment, like, my character was what was being developed in life. And I think, again, there's just so many things that are after your character, whether that's music, culture, movies, Netflix, whatever it is. And let me just talk to the parents in the room for a second while we're on parenting, because I think we live in a day and age and we live in a society, we live in a culture that is constantly going, hey, it's okay, just give them an iPad. How many kids do you see in restaurants and, and sitting around, everybody's on a screen, like that thing is raising your kids, y'all. Like we just got rid of, like we just got rid of the iPad a few weeks ago. Our life has changed forever. It was pretty rough the first few days. I'll give you that. Like it was like, ooh, this is this is hard. But again, it's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you something. But you can't just shove a screen in a kid's face because that screen is full of things that are destructive. You're thinking it's giving you freedom. It's putting them in bondage. It's putting them in a place where they're going to be exposed to things that they never should have seen. They're going to hear and be influenced by things that they should have never been exposed to. And I think it's time that the church, as we're getting healthy, we need to rise up as parents and go, no, I take back the responsibility of raising my children. I'm going to train my child up in the way that they should go. Because when they are old, regardless of if they have a rebellious season or not, they will know, they will have it ingrained in their head that no, this is, I know this isn't right. I think it's time that we take back that responsibility. So, so young people, let me talk to you for a second. Maybe you're a student in here, you're listening. I want you to know that you, there is so much value placed on you, but that value does not come from anything but who God is, who he says you are, and what his word says about you. Amen? So I think it's time that you realize this. You don't need to be liked by everybody. You don't even like everybody. Stop trying to get a following. Stop trying to get likes. Stop trying to create this fake concept of who you are and begin to take back what you know is truth about you. You are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of the king. This is what we need to realize. When we're developing our character, it's based on what is defined by God, regardless of the personal cost. It's gonna cost you something. It might cost you some unhealthy relationships. It might cost you some freedom, but the, that freedom is actually bondage. It might cost you some social things in life, but whatever it costs you, it's so, so worth it. It's so worth it because it's a character development based on what God's word says. It's based on a transformation of the heart, something that is done inward. I love what Sir Leonard Ravenhill says. He says, a man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. A man who has a relationship with God, a man or a woman who is saying, no, 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 it's not rules or religion. Like, put that stuff aside. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about a real 
authentic, personal relationship with a God who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, and he wants to know you. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into today's chapter of the Bible. This is Luke 19. I want you to turn in your Bibles. You can get out those note cards. You can take some notes. Wave, the, wave those note cards at me. We're going to fill in some blanks today. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Does anybody know the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... Yeah, yeah everybody, I'm getting shouted down. Everybody's like, all the Christians are in the back here. <laughs> They're like, that's my song, Veggie Tales. That's what that reminds me of. But this, this man, Zacchaeus, I think we've looked at his story and just kind of remember, like, he was just a little guy who had, you know, kind of an encounter with Jesus. He climbed a tree. And that's kind of all we realized. But what I think is so important as we read this story is there's some, there's some tricks of the enemy in here that we got to be aware of. We got to recognize. And I think the more aware that we are of the enemy that we have, the real enemy that we have, we can also become aware of the truth and the hope that we have in Jesus. So starting in verse one, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass by. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him out by his name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come on down. I must be a guest in your home today. That's important. Underline that. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and in joy. But the people were displeased. Haters. They were haters, y'all. We're going to talk more about that as well. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth away to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, I, I, I kind of caught myself as I was reading this, and, and I think I'd kind of do this just almost, it's almost my natural bend to kind of to find in Scripture what God is doing. And while what God is doing is important, it's more important that we understand that everything he does flows from who he is. And so when we're looking at our own personal character, we've got to look at the character of who God is, and we're going to find a lot of that as we read through this passage, but have you guys ever walked into like one of those office spaces and they have all those like inspirational things on the, on the, on the walls and like little coffee mug. Like I, I found kind of a picture that, that illustrates this. So, so you kind of walk into this office and you see like, oh, these, these things are nice. Let's zoom in a little bit. Let's, let's zoom in on some of these. Trust yourself to choose what's right for you. Okay, so at face value, it doesn't seem like there's really anything wrong with that. It seems encouraging. Let's take a look at the next one. Let's take a look. So if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. Man, something seems off. It's a little, little tricky. This is my favorite one. Follow your heart. Lord Jesus, help us. Lord Jesus, help this place. And then we all just kind of go, yeah, these are great. Like, this is awesome. 
right? Like, it, it, it just seems that at face value, no, there's nothing wrong with these things, but I need you to know that in every single one of their statements, there is a lie from the enemy because let's back it up with some scripture. Let's constantly go to God's word. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, in all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths, what? Straight. It says in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In, in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know why the heart is hard to understand? It's because in one moment you're going, oh, I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got this feeling. I'm gonna just go with my feelings. I'm gonna follow my heart. But the next minute, your heart is way over here. Like your heart is directionally challenged. That's what your heart is. You cannot trust your heart. It's deceitful above all things. It's constantly trying to get you to go in all sorts of different directions. What you need is to realize that there is a trick in all of these messages. Remember, character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, not as defined by me, not as defined by a celebrity, not as defined by what the, what's going on in our political world. No, it's defined by God regardless of personal cost. And when we compromise character, we actually end up rationalizing some bad behavior. We're like, no, no, it's fine. This is, uh, this is totally fine. What we end up doing is we, we end up creating a God in our own image that looks a lot like us. So when we compromise character, it's, that is also going to cost you something. So I want to, I want to make this statement and, and this is kind of what we're going to be talking about. And it's this, the enemy wants you to think that you're either good enough on your own, good enough without God, or that you're too far gone to be used by God. So we're going to identify some tricks of the enemy because some of you may have fallen for the first trick that you're good enough on your own. You're doing fine. You know what fine stands for? Anybody see that movie, Italian Job? Remember what, remember what the dad says? He says, fine stands for freaked out, insecure, nervous, and emotional. Like when somebody says they're fine, you just know something's off. You're like, man, I got to dig a little bit more on that. Or you're too far gone to be used by God. We're going to identify why these things are untrue. They have nothing to do with your relationship with God because God says, hey, you're good enough with me. You're gonna be, I'm going to help you become good enough. I'm going to add value to you, but you just got to trust me. You're not too far gone. Might have made mistakes, but you're not a mistake. And so what we see, let's talk about the first trick. The enemy wants you to think that you're good enough without God. Verse 1, going back to Zacchaeus' story, he says, he was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. I find myself, you know, I, I get to meet a lot of people and I find myself talking to people who kind of meet this same criteria, like they're doing good. Like I've got the car, I've got the house, I've got all these different things. I've got possessions, I've got maybe some accolades, I've got, I've got these relationships, whatever it may be. But what ends up happening is there's something missing. Like on the outside, we seem pretty good. But what I think we need to realize is that pretty good on your own is, very, is a very lonely place to be. Um, people definitely think uh, that their good outweighs their bad a lot of time. And they think that's going to that's that's get me to heaven, honestly. Like 
If I'm a good person, I'm going to be totally fine. I read this study this week. I thought this was pretty funny. It's it's a one poll study. It says this. In a recent survey of 2,000 U.S. residents, 81% of people believe that they, that, that they, they believe that humankind is inherently good. Have y'all met people? I don't know that these people have met people, okay? People are jacked up, messed up, like we've got issues for days. It also said three in four people believe that they themselves are fundamentally a good person. Yikes. Like, there's, like we are fooling ourselves if we think that we've got it all together. Again, maybe on the outside, but there's something missing on the inside. And then this was my favorite. This was hilarious. Nearly one in two people believe that they themselves are the best person that they know. Like, look, turn to your neighbor right now. Half of you apparently think that you're the best person you know. Like, that's funny, y'all. But we're fooling ourselves. That's foolishness. We know better. We should know better. The Bible says this. This is a reality check for you. That we were dead in our sin. We were dead in our sin. And I know that's kind of, it's a bit weighty to to hear that. But we, we were. We were dead in our sin. A lot of us walk around like these these whitewashed tombs, like, like it, again, looks great on the outside, but there's something dying. There's a decay. There's something, there's this longing to fill the God-sized hole that each, in us, each of us have, but we end up filling it with things that are so unhealthy for us. They're temporary things. Listen, sin might be fun in a moment. And let's be honest, if you're doing sin right, it is fun in a moment. But you're, 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 you're putting a counterfeit in, in, in that hole. Like you're, you're placing something in there that was never designed to be in there. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's an affair. Maybe that's an addiction, whatever it may be. It wasn't designed to ever be there because that place is designed specifically for God. Romans 5.12 says this, sin came into the world through one man and his sin brought death with it. As a result, death has spread to the whole human race because everyone has sinned. I think it said everyone has sinned in there. It's a super positive message today. But here's the reality. When you're dead, you can't save yourself. You can't. Think about that. If you're dead, you cannot save yourself. So there's a problem here. We're not good enough. There's a trick here. Hey, I know you think that you're doing good, but the reality is, is I know something deeper is going on inside of you. So we've identified the first trick. Maybe you've fallen for that one. And I think Zacchaeus could have easily fallen for this first trick. But this is the second trick. The enemy wants you to think that you're too far gone to be noticed by God. He wants you to think that, man, God doesn't even notice you because you know what? He didn't got time for your mess. That is not true. God made you on purpose for a purpose. He knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God's word says. But a lot of times we just think, no, my mistakes define me. Your mistakes do not define you. It's so important that we realize that this is part of our character development. We are not too far gone. And maybe, maybe you're watching online. I hear, this, I hear this all the time from people. Maybe, you know, maybe we've, we've been talking and, and you're like, oh man, I just I could never set foot in church. I mean, it's struck by lightning. 
Like, what kind of statement is that? Do you actually believe that? But that's their view of God. They think that God expects perfection. Listen, God is the only one that is perfect. That's why he sent Jesus. He, he knew that Jesus could fulfill what needed to happen in order to save humanity, to provide salvation. But a lot of times we just think we're too far gone and maybe you accepted Christ even and you made some mistakes and you kind of drifted away. You gave up your faith for a season. Maybe here today you can, you can make that decision to recommit your life and we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. But I know it's so easy to fall into temptation. But I want you to understand something about temptation. Temptation, it, it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, but what happened when Jesus was tempted? Before he went into his full-time ministry, he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by the devil himself. What did he do? He used God's word as a weapon. And I know it can be easy to fall into temptation. In fact, I remember when I was 20 years old, my, on my 20th birthday, I'll never forget this. I, I confessed to my mom, mom, I'm struggling with pornography. Not a fun thing to tell your mom. But I knew that my parents loved me. I knew that they had my best interest and they wanted to help me. So I was able to confess that. And then she actually said, hey, I think you need some different relationships and I think you need tools. And so I actually got hooked up with my, my youth pastor at the time. He was, he was one that kind of, kind of raised me up in the church and, and I met with him. I just said, man, I just, I just need help. And he gave me this acronym that I wanna, I wanna share with you guys today because I, I think it's important for you to be aware when you're being tempted. Let's take a look. So it, it's, this, it's this word halt. Everybody say halt. What does halt mean? It means stop. Hey, hold on a second. Well, the Bible actually says, anytime the Bible says pay attention, it actually uses this word behold, which is a very holy word. This is just a kind of a different way of thinking about this. Halt, stop. Wait a second before you make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. So what this stands for is this, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Listen, if you're hungry, you're probably angry. I mean, I've said stuff that I would have never said in a, in a, in a hunger pain moment. Like, you hangry. Like, you're just hungry. Just realize that so that you don't become angry and then sin in your anger. Or, or you are tempted because you're wanting to fill your life with something. It might be just a cheeseburger, y'all. It doesn't have to be pornography. It doesn't have to be of getting on an instant message and, and, and reaching out to that old coworker or that fling in high school. It doesn't have to be any of those things. It can simply just, hey, I'm aware right now that if I don't get something to eat, I'm gonna make some bad decisions, okay? Lonely. Man, if you're lonely, call somebody. I love one of our, one of our men's groups. Uh, you know, this is another reason why everybody should be in a connect group. Get some accountability in your life. Accountability only works if you're honest. But man, in a moment where you're feeling tempted, I know that these guys, what they tell me is I have an entire group of 20 to 30 guys who I can go, hey, man, right now I'm struggling. I'm a, I, I am this close to taking a drink and I've been sober for 10 years. I'm this close to looking at pornography and I, I don't want that for my marriage. I know that I'm in a place where I'm easily tempted right now and I just need you to pray for me. And guess what? There is power in the name of Jesus. 
there, things start to change and shift in your mindset and in your will and your emotions if you would just call upon the name of Jesus with somebody because where two or more are gathered, it says, there I am and so I will be. That means that Jesus is going to show up and give you power to overcome that temptation. Okay? Tired. Listen, just take a nap or go on a run. You might need to wake your system up or shut your system down. But don't give in to temptation because it's, it's a temporary feeling. It's, in, it's, it's a weakness. But like we sang in that last song, in my weakness, your glory has the opportunity to show up in my life. But I have to shift my perspective. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Let's get back to Zacchaeus' story. It says in verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. He's just a little guy, y'all. He's just a little dude. But what's interesting, and I, and I think his height is not something that we can overlook because that means that everybody else in the crowd, like he couldn't see over them because he was too short. So what did he have to do? He had to do something. He had to do something actionable to get a different perspective of Jesus. So what did he do? He climbs up in a sycamore tree and he's up there and what, all of a sudden, he's got a totally different perspective. And I think a lot of times we feel like, man, I'm stuck in the crowd. Like, man, if you feel stuck in the crowd today, you might need to just get a different perspective. You might need to use something, some sort of tool, whether that's a relationship, whether that's getting on a Bible plan, whether that's kind of getting rid of some of your old ways and adopting some new ways and some new habits and some new beliefs. And Zacchaeus used the tree as a tool to get a different view of Jesus because he said, for Jesus was going to pass that way. This was the opportunity of a lifetime for him. This was a moment where he had a choice. I can either just continue to go with the crowd or I can make a different choice to get a different perspective of Jesus. And so here's the truth. We've talked about the two tricks, but I think it's important that now you know the truth. The truth is this, we need a savior. We need a savior, it's plain and simple. This is an old school gospel message. When Jesus came by, it says in verse five, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. Listen, when God calls you to do something, you obey immediately. Don't wait. We say in my house, slow obey is no obey. Parents, you might want to write that down. Slow obey is no obey. In this moment, Zacchaeus was excited, but at the same time, we don't really know if Jesus even knew him. I mean, obviously he did, but there was no mention of, of Jesus knowing Zacchaeus before this, which shows you that Jesus is all-knowing. It also shows us that Zacchaeus probably, the reason he was there is because he had heard about Jesus and was attracted to what he was doing. Like Jesus's lifestyle is attractive, but it does cost us something. It might cost you the bondage. It might cost you giving up an unhealthy relationship. It might cost you a promotion. It might cost you all these different things, but those things later on in life are going to cause pain and destruction. And you could give those things up in a moment and go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to experience freedom in this. I'm going to die to myself a little bit and I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to get a different perspective. And, and so he goes to Zacchaeus's house it says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed, he climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement, but the people were displeased. He has gone, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Again, 
when you start going in a different direction in life, maybe, maybe your, your old life was a place where you had a bunch of friends, where you had a following. But here's what I know. I was talking to a young man a few weeks ago, and he, he was in the military, and he was having to, you know, he was kind of in a shift in, his, in his, his position. And he said, man, I'm having to make a lot of different decisions that are not decisions I would normally make, but because of what God is doing in my life, I'm getting a lot of hate for it. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because when you start to go in a different direction, in the direction that, that God wants you to go in, there's going to be some haters. There are going to be people that come up against you because they see a change that's happening in you that they don't understand. Let me remind you, it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says the people were displeased. Why? Because they knew they had heard that Jesus was changing people. And can I just tell somebody today, maybe, maybe you know, it says that, that he was invited into Zacchaeus' home. Did you know that God wants to be a part of your home? Before you ever showed up in this room today, we prayed over every single one of these seats. We, we believed God for somebody that's going to come here and get their life completely and radically changed by Jesus. Because the reality is, we say, Holy Spirit, this is your house. Jesus, have your way in this place. Why don't we do the same thing in our own home? Jesus wants to be a part of your home. And your home may have to look different. You might have to make some different choices. There's going to be some haters. They're going to ask you, why aren't you giving kids, why aren't you giving your kids a, a, an iPhone? They're 10 years old. Like they need it. No, they don't. They don't need it. You don't have to expose your family to the world because what I think is happening is we're, we're, we're needing to exemplify a consistent relationship with God so that our kids can navigate an inconsistent world. So we've got, we've got to be the model. It starts with us. It starts with our character, but we're going to come up against opposition. And I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Like the fastest way to kill something special that God is clearly doing in your life is to compare it to something else. It's so important. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Underline that word only. There is no other thing he's trying to do. He wants destruction, death. He wants you to continue to live in sin. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So here's the hope. We talked about the truth, that we need a savior. We talked about the tricks, that you might feel like you're good enough on your own or that you're too far gone. But the reality is, is that Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to know you. He wants a personal relationship with you. And he wants to help you build your character into a man or a woman of God that can help others build their character as well. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus, in verse 8, he stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For the, this man has shown him to be a true, self, a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus knew he had lost his way. But here's, here's what I know, church. God isn't just looking for behavior modification. He's looking for heart transformation. 
Now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me because the behavior modification is necessary and it is good. Like the faith that we have, the fruits of the spirit should come out of our faith. Our, the faith that we have in Jesus should produce good works. That's behavior modification, which is good. But the heart transformation needs to take place. Zacchaeus would have never done any of these things if he hadn't met with Jesus. Because he met with Jesus, everything started to change. He was a tax collector. He was constantly ripping people off. Why would he pay them back? Not only pay them back, but pay them back fourfold. And what I think so many of us get stuck in is this old life. We, we modify behavior, but nothing on the inside changed. The outside might look different, but it's not going to last. It says in verse 10, again, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was lost. Maybe you feel lost in here. Maybe you feel like, again, like we talked about at the very front of this message, that you're in a valley. You feel a little lost. And that's okay. You're in the right place. You have a greater purpose in life because something has to change on the inside first. And when that change happens, your purpose will seem much clearer. So I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to make Jesus not only your savior? It's important that we have a savior. And we do have a savior. His name is Jesus. But we also have a Lord. And his name is also Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? That means we have to submit. We have to give up something. It's going to cost us something. And I know this can be a tough thing to understand because I, I think a lot of people have a, an unhealthy view of God. Maybe, maybe you don't have a good relationship with your dad, and so your, your view of your heavenly father is a little bit tainted. Um, and I want to illustrate this. Actually, my dad is here, y'all. I'd like to bring him up on stage. Dad, come on up. It's Mr. Mr. J. Mitchell. I love you. Dad, thank you so much for raising me for, for all the character building moments. If you've noticed, my dad's a lot taller than me. My mom is very short. She is 5'2". And so I got the median height right here, just right in the middle. Um, but I want to show you something. Can you see me? So I think a lot of times we are wanting to be seen. We're wanting to kind of get out front of what God is doing, but, but that's not how we were designed. Maybe, maybe your view of your dad, of your heavenly father, whatever it may be, is, is kind of like Zeus, you know? from Hercules, like he's just sitting up there. He's got just kind of mean mugging you, just disappointed, thinks you're just screwing up all the time. Man, that's not how God sees you at all. And I hope you can understand that. Your God, the God that we serve, he loves you. He's a good father. He wants what's best for you, but he's also willing to let you go through some hard things so that you can understand, no, this is, a, this is a moment where my character is being developed. There's going to be consequences to your actions. There might even be some moments where there's discipline. And those things are painful and it does cost us something. But it, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He wants what's best for you. And so what does it look like to make Jesus 
Lord of your life? Well, it looks like this. Again, you can't see me because I'm staying so close in step. Start walking for me. My dad's steps are bigger than mine, but that's okay. As long as I'm staying in step with what God wants me to do, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to see the right way to go. And what ends up happening sometimes and what's tempting is that we go, oh, wait, what's around the corner here? No, I don't, I don't know if I trust you right now. God, this is a little scary. Or we go, oh, you know what? Squirrel, right? Like we get distracted. <laughs> we go over here and we, try, we start following something else. But no, that's not what we need to do. There's a reason that we're staying behind and letting God lead. If we get out in front of what he's trying to do, we're not realizing that his ways are higher. His thoughts are wider. He knows exactly what we need in life. And so if I would just stay in step right now, if I would just stay in step with what God wants to do in my life, everything in my life will start to change and I'll have a more trusting, more personal relationship with God because if I have an intimate relationship with God, I'm not gonna be intimidated by what any man says about me. Dad, love you. So again, I ask you this question. Are you willing to make Jesus Lord over your life? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here and that relationship that you had with your dad, it, it wasn't a good one. And I, and, and I just want to apologize, you know, and say I'm sorry that you had that experience. But I want you to know that your heavenly father loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you to pay the ultimate price for your sin and for my sin so that you would not have to pay that price. You go, well, Josh, I've, I used to follow Jesus. I used, you know, I had this moment where I accepted Jesus, but life happened and circumstances and whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And, and I understand, I know that happens. It's happened to me. But like Pastor Justin said a, a couple weeks ago, it's not a one-time application of God's word. It's not an hour on Sunday. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you want to you wanna come back to that relationship. Maybe this is your first time and this is all new for you. And you, and you want to set aside the rules. You want to set aside the religion. If that's you here today, if you want to, begin a personal relationship with Jesus, I just want to pray with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'll just slip up your hand on the count of three, I'd love to pray with you on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Two, three, four. Anybody else? Five. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? So proud of you. If you'll just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. God, I'm thankful for what your son did on the cross. Dying for my sin and my shame, taking on the weight of that punishment. God, I realize I'm not enough unless you come, unless you show up. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. God, I ask you to have your way with my life going forward. I submit to you. I know that I'm not perfect, 
but I serve a perfect Savior. I ask you to come into my life, take over, rule and reign, begin to lead, guide, and direct every step that I take. I love you. I submit to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.